Brian Barnett is just a regular guy. He's not a doctor. He has no legal license in any field of mental health nor emotional health. Brian Barnett merely shares the insights he has gained from his personal experiences for anybody who may choose to use such information as they individually and personally choose while accepting full responsibility for their own individual thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. Brian Barnett assumes no responsibility whatsoever for anybody's individual choice to expose himself or herself to any information that Brian Barnett shares. And by listening to this program, you are acknowledging that you, and only you, are responsible for your own thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. Happy Thursday, everybody. This is Brian Barnett, and yes, it's true. We've made it to another Thursday. Boy, they just tick by, don't they? But that's a good thing. Keep them coming. I uh, wanted to talk to you today about the motor of your car. Yeah, the engine. The thing that makes your car move. You know, a person who decides to become a mechanic doesn't lift the hood of a pickup truck, look at the motor, and suddenly understand everything there is to understand about how to repair that motor. A motor is one unit, but as such, it's also made up of many smaller components. So the wannabe mechanic has to become intimately familiar with all of these individual components. But even this is not enough. He or she still has to learn how the components interact with the other components. Is that not true? So the work I'm doing here is not a whole lot different. Borderline personality disorder is a motor. And with my work, I'm explaining why this motor exists in the first place and what fuels it. But I'm also explaining the various components and how these components interact with all the other components of the disorder. Now, eventually, for many people, they're going to have a big aha moment where suddenly the whole engine makes sense. And this isn't going to happen overnight, but rather it'll happen with the accumulation of many small insights. Those who achieve this will be on the other side of borderline personality disorder. They won't need me anymore. There will be nothing new that I can explain to them because they'll have a thorough, complete understanding of the disorder, of how it works, and how each component contributes. This level of insightful understanding is the disorder's complete undoing. Now, here are some of the individual components to the motor that I'm trying to instruct everybody on so that they can eventually understand the motor as a whole unit. The following. Concepts of forgiveness versus acceptance. Concepts of denial versus acceptance. Concepts of shame versus guilt. Cause versus symptom. Core beliefs. The origin of the core beliefs. Rejecting popular lies endorsed by the professional community. 
such as the lies that borderline personality disorder is genetic, or that it has multiple possible causes, or that your sensibility is partly to blame, or the concept of triggers. All these are bullshit concepts. More components to the motor. Parents as emotional teachers. The term mental illness versus the term emotional disorder. Inner affirmation and validation versus external affirmation and validation. Inherent worth. Therapy versus recovery. Intimacy deficiency. The nature and purpose of your feelings. How thoughts and feelings are designed to work together harmoniously. And then many principles, which are my favorite aspect of emotional health, such as the principle of inherent rights, responsibility, and authority, and the principle of personal responsibility. Now let's take a look at some of these components today as we have time to do so. We may be able to cover three or four of them depending on how fast or slow I talk. Now remember, these are components that all together, once you understand how they, they play off each other, will eventually give you a comprehensive, cohesive understanding of the motor as a whole. So let's take the principle of inherent rights, responsibility, and authority and take a look at that real quick and then we'll consider a couple more. The principle of inherent rights, responsibility, and authority says that you only have any right, responsibility, or authority over you, yourself. Other people only have any inherent rights, responsibility, and authority over who? Over they themselves. So concern about how somebody else might or might not react is an example of your distorted thinking. How? Well, think about it. You have no right to worry about how they will react. You have no responsibility for how they will react. You have no power to affect how they will or will not react. Only he or she, the person that we're talking about, does. Yes, I know you live in a world that has taught you to believe that by what you say or do, you are able to cause, quote unquote, other people to behave certain ways. This is a lie. People behave the way they themselves choose to behave in every circumstance. Therefore, your only concern must be your behavior, your thoughts, your feelings. If you speak to another person in a non-offensive way and you speak the truth, this is where your inherent rights, responsibility, and authority end. How the other person reacts is now 
in their realm of inherent rights, responsibility, and authority, you see? Their reaction has nothing to do with you. And it doesn't matter if they have an emotional disorder. The laws of the universe don't change to conform to people's disorders. Indeed, the whole reason people have disorders to begin with is because they don't know or appreciate the natural order of how reality works and respect it. And this creates disorder, disorder in their lives. Triggers. Let's talk about triggers for a second. There's no such thing as triggers. Triggers is another bullshit concept that you've been led to believe is a thing, but it's not real. People trigger themselves. This is all. No external influence can make a person do anything. Nothing outside of you can make you behave a certain way. It's, you're talking about something that does not exist. It's impossible. The only thing or person responsible for how I behave or I react or I think or I feel is, guess who? Me. And the same goes for you. And the same goes for everybody. You can't so much as make a person read something. Did you know that? I can put a book down in front of you and I can say, here, read this and hold a gun to your head. You may read it. You may sound out the words and you may scan your eyes over the, the text. But a person only reads something genuinely. The message only gets in and they only digest it when they themselves choose to do so. You have no power over what other people do or do not do. So the whole concept of triggers is bullshit. So escape this distorted, unhealthy thinking of triggers and the false thinking that you are somehow responsible for other people's reactions, thoughts, and feelings. You're not, and you never were. Instead, learn to see and respect and work within the limits of where your inherent rights, responsibility, and authority begin and end. Every time you attempt to step outside this boundary and into the circle where other people's inherent rights, responsibilities, and authority begin, you are violating the other person's inherent rights and neglecting your obligations. You're attempting to exert your will in an inappropriate and useless way. Let's take a look at another component of the motor. Therapy versus recovery. Some people think that I am anti-therapy. I'm not. I simply want to educate you about the distinction between what therapy is and what recovery is and what your objective needs to be. Your objective isn't therapy. Everybody has this tendency to think of therapy as one of the answers to their problems. Nope, therapy is not an answer. Recovery is an answer. Therapy and recovery are not synonymous. Now, if you find the right therapist, that therapist can educate you and tutor you so that you achieve the insights necessary for recovery. There's no question about it. After all, 
I myself recovered from borderline personality disorder, and I have one therapist in particular for helping point me in the right direction. However, authentically smart and capable therapists are an exception rather than the rule. And some people recover by getting educated about borderline personality disorder from other sources, such as this source, my podcast and my articles, and they will go on to recover. Therapists don't have a monopoly on knowledge and understanding. They also aren't automatically qualified because their diplomas say so. Obviously, they're automatically legally qualified in a legal sense. They're qualified to practice. But at the same time, they may not know the first thing authentically about what they're talking about. So frankly, what good is legal qualification without genuine qualification that produces genuine results? The therapist who finally helped me and gave me real insight was approximately the 13th to the 15th therapist I met with. The other 12 or 14 did absolutely nothing for me but waste my time and charge me unconscionable amounts of money to support their lavish lifestyles. So yes, therapists can help. And therapists cannot help at all. It depends on the therapist. But therapy is not the goal. Recovery is the goal. And not recovery in the sense that the professional community as a group uses the term to say, learning to live with the disorder and simply managing the symptoms forever. No, I'm talking about genuine recovery. And it's ridiculous that I even have to use that qualifying term, genuine recovery. It's redundant. Recovery is either genuine or it's not. But because these therapists have created the idea that, ther- that recovery only involves coping strategies, They've put me into the position where I have to use that qualifying term. Let's talk about clarity and relationships after recovery. After recovery, a person will, of course, see for the first time, and with genuine clarity for the first time, the true nature of the things they did to other people. But this doesn't mean that they're going to want to get back into a relationship with the person that they mistreated. The reality is that emotionally healthy people don't purposely get into serious relationships with emotionally unhealthy people to begin with. So I understand everybody likes to think that one partner is always the the healthy one and the other is always the unhealthy one. This is not true. When I get messages from partners who are searching out answers for their boyfriend or wife's emotional disorder, do you know where my attention goes? It goes directly to the person talking. I begin examining where their thinking is distorted and what the nature of their emotional unhealth is. I'm not interested in the other person, the partner. Why not? Because I'm not talking to him or her. He or she hasn't come to me looking for answers. Therefore, I can't help them. It's amazing the number of emotionally unhealthy people who come to me whose only interest is in helping, I say that in air quotes, somebody else. 
the principle of inherent rights, responsibility, and authority is being ignored here, isn't it? Do you see how? If your focus and concern is directed towards somebody else's emotional unhealth, where's your attention not directed, but is the only place it should be directed? And what is the natural result of this improper focus? Well, I'll give you the answer to that. It's that you never identify and fix or deal with your own emotional unhealth. Emotionally unhealthy people get into relationships with other emotionally unhealthy people because they are drawn to emotional unhealth. It's what they feel comfortable with. It's, you know, it's the world that they're accustomed to. Emotionally healthy people stay far away from emotional unhealth. As soon as it becomes obvious during dating that a man has emotional problems, for example, there ceases to be anything an emotionally healthy woman finds attractive about that situation. Why would any emotionally healthy person knowingly and purposely put themselves or stay in a long-term situation that he or she knows will create only great misery in life down the line? The answer is they don't, and they wouldn't. Because by definition, doing such a thing is an emotionally unhealthy act. Only emotionally unhealthy people choose to do emotionally unhealthy things like that. The, the two things are polar opposites, emotional health and emotional unhealth. There's nothing to harmonize there. Now, sex is another issue altogether. I'm not even talking about a sex partner. Having sex and choosing to anchor yourself into a real relationship with, some, with somebody are two distinct things. All right, well, now we have time for one more. Uh, let's talk about denial and acceptance for a little bit. Uh, somebody earlier this morning used the term demonize. She, she didn't want to demonize her parents or her mother in the way that she spoke about them. Use of the term demonizing when we're talking about recovery from borderline personality disorder and analyzing our parents' responsibilities and their role in it is a reflection that the person using that term does not appreciate the subtlety of the issue with their parents or what's really at stake as it applies to their recovery. I'll tell you why. Speaking factually of a person is not demonizing them. If a thing is the color blue, to call it blue is not good or bad. Do you understand that? If I look outside my door and I see a car parked out there and I say, hey, that car is blue, there's nothing good or bad to that statement at all. It is simply calling a thing what it truly is. It's not allowing our feelings to affect our ability to see it and call it what it truly is. There's no judgment at all to stating something as it truly is. It's simply seeing and stating a reality. So when you say, my mom is a child abuser, this makes you uncomfortable. Even when it's a statement of fact, it makes you uncomfortable. I know it because I went through the same thing myself. I had to get over this hurdle 
the same as everybody else will. Even if it's a statement of fact, it makes you uncomfortable if you feel like you're betraying that person because your feelings are involved. Since it makes you uncomfortable, you want to avoid thinking it and you want to avoid saying it. This is denial. Folks, this is how denial works. Denial is when we allow our feelings to define reality for us. Denial is living in a state of choosing to see reality in a way that does not make us uncomfortable. And frankly, this is where many of your problems in life are coming from. So the objective is to escape a lifestyle of denial and instead to embrace a lifestyle of acceptance. Acceptance is the opposite of denial. It's choosing to see a thing as it truly is, especially, especially when it makes us uncomfortable. Why? Because only when you go about life with this clarity, the clarity that only acceptance provides, can you make decisions properly and maneuver life skillfully. Denial is walking around with a blindfold on. You're just bouncing into things, bouncing all over the place. Acceptance is taking the glasses off or the blindfold off and putting on clear glasses that allow you to see everything as it actually is. Now here's the question for everybody. Why does it make you uncomfortable to see your parents as they truly are and to define them as they truly are? And how many other things are you allowing your feelings to mask the reality of? But as for this term demonizing, it's a dead giveaway that the person using it is still stuck in a state of distorted perspective, which is denial. Because if you're describing a person with factual statements, this is not demonizing them. To demonize somebody means that you're speaking untruthfully about them, and that's what you've been doing. <laughs> that's what you've been doing when you, when you soften the reality of how your parents were, who they are, what they did. That is the untruth. That is the untruth. So that's what you want to escape. Well, there were some other uh, components to the motor I would have liked to have discussed today, but we're going to have to save them for another time. Folks, I hope you have a good week. I'm going on a big backpacking trip here in the next couple weeks that I'm really excited about. It's going to be freezing cold, and I couldn't be happier. It's going to be up in northern PA on the New York State border. So uh, wish me luck, and uh, I'll see you uh, next Thursday. Until then, be kind to yourself and uh, patient with yourself, and I'll talk to you real soon. Thanks for listening.